Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with the Doves? Surprise, surprise, mother bleepers. Surprise, surprise, mother bleepers. The king is back. Talking about the self-proclaimed petty king. His words, not mine. The petty king, Steph Curry. Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second. The four-time champion, the two-time league MVP, the finals MVP, and the petty king. He is all those things, and this guy is still underrated as good as you think he is he's even better as tough as you think he is he's even tougher and as petty as you think he is he is even pettier actually it's funny it's funny to me because this guy's never come across as petty you never hear him bashing other guys you never hear this guy hot taking other people or other things you never see him going in or taking a run at other teams What this guy does is he takes mental notes. He simply takes mental notes, and then he files them away. And then he gasses up his ride with it. Now I'll get to the rest of Golden State momentarily, because you know they're all running on a certain kind of fuel too. But Curry's fuel is special. A special sort of premium rocket fuel. Because nobody does what this guy does. And no matter what he does, people keep coming for him. They keep missing how great this guy really is. Like, still, you want to say this guy's too soft? You want to say this guy's too small? Yeah, whatever. He just dominated a six-game series against the most physically dominant defense in the league. They just threw everything they had at this guy. Every single defensive look they had, and all of them come out looking silly. Foolish, dumb, stupid. Now, that's physical toughness. That's mental toughness. That's basketball acumen and IQ. And I will get to the Celtics momentarily. But just know this. Steph Curry broke Boston. He broke them physically. He broke them mentally. He broke them emotionally. He beat them twice in a row on their home floor. And then, and it was incredible, I thought, he was calling for a ring after knocking in this shot. Six assists for Green. Curry along three. That's good! Steph Curry from way downtown! Some Curry chaos here on the third. It's the largest lead of the game. Absolutely ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. Range unlimited. Mama, there goes that man. And then says, put a ring on it. Mama, there goes that man. That I like. The other, nah. Anyway, you want to hot take it as a talking head and proclaim that he never won another ring after he signed that four-year extension? Yeah, he remembers that too. And he brought back that same gesture last night. You want to say dumb stuff like his wife can't cook? Quote, I got three green Aisha can't cook shirts in the locker room that I'm going to wear at some point. Like, this dude is the petty king. And it's cool. He remembers everything. And now you should remember this. Greatest of all time rankings in any sport is lame. It's just lame. It's lazy. This is what people do. But that said, because this is what people do, know this. Steph Curry is top 10. Top 10 all time. Fact. And he's not number 10 either. He's well into that top 10. And he's not done. And he has a chance to keep on climbing. I'm not going to get into some argument about who's better. But know this. Nobody has changed the game the way Curry has. MJ was a better version of the guys who came before him. Same thing with LeGM. They were evolutions. Curry, though, is a revolution. The guys played the game better than anyone before them, but he plays it differently than everybody before him. This is what I mean by revolution as opposed to evolution. And then you've got the big three. Curry, Clay, Dre. 
one of the best trios ever. You go ahead and you put them up with every other big three that's ever been created. These guys are just that good. This is the Curry era. This is the Warriors era. The era that everybody buried three years back. And the player that some folks thought was a system guy. And how bad of a take was that? How bad did that take age? Steph Curry, a systems guy. If this title felt different than the four that came before or the others that came before, it's because it was. It's because they ate crap for two years. They suffered through injuries and losses. They suffered with Clay Thompson's back-to-back injuries. They were in a play-in game. In fact, they had bottomed out. They hit rock bottom, yet they came back tougher. Like, this is not the best Warriors team. It is not. It's not the best Warriors team, but it's definitely the toughest, and by a mile. And Curry knew it. Curry knew it, and he called his shot. He told everybody last year, May 21st, 2021, after losing to the Grizz in that playing game, Curry said, quote, you don't want to see us next year, end quote. And that was the truth. You did not want to see them this year. And I know the Celtics wanted no part of them last night. I expected Boston to come out on fire. They did. And they were up 14-2. Jason Tatum had a shot working. Marcus Smart had his flop working. The garden was rocking. The Chowds. Well, I don't want to say the Chowds. I am half Chowd. The Chowds were cackling. The bleep you Draymond chants were loud. Then they flat out got their asses kicked. Up and down the floor. The Celtics wanted no part of it. Golden State buried them in the first half with that 21-0 run. At home with the season on the line. I mean, that's unreal. Absolutely insane. It tells you how far Boston still has to come. The younger, tougher team was shown what real toughness and grit and championship DNA is all about. And Boston wanted no part of it. You want to focus on the turnovers? Fine. That's cool. But it was not just a matter of Boston getting loose with a ball. It was a matter of Golden State getting into their bodies, getting up into their faces and in their heads. The Warriors locked them the hell up. The Warriors, this is the professionalism and the DNA, the championship DNA of that team. They were not going back to the Bay for a Game 7. They knew. They'd been there before. No way in hell they were going back to the Bay for a Game 7. They were going back for a party. Golden State was looking for a ring, and the Celtics were looking for a hand. They spent most of the night flopping, complaining, and desperately looking for the refs to bail them out. Again, this is the toughest team in the league. This is the team that always bounced back. This is the team that beat the defending champs in Game 7. This is the team that beat Miami in Game 7 in Miami. And they just lost three straight, including two straight on their home floor. But no, I did not come here to bury the Celtics. I came here to praise the Warriors. Yes, Tatum was a disaster in the second half. Some of that was fatigue. Some of that was inexperience. But let me tell you something. A hell of a lot of that was Andrew Wiggins. He locked him up. He shut Tatum down completely. That was men against boys, champs against pretenders, kings against clowns. And it shows, it shows that as good as Boston is, as athletic as they are, as talented as they are, it goes to show how much farther they still have to go. As for Golden State, feels like they never left. Feels like they never left, but they did. And again, they hit rock bottom. And that's what makes this one more impressive than all the ones that came before them. Again, I have seen better Warriors teams, but I have never been more impressed with them than I am right now. You know, and by the way, there's one guy on Twitter that you should follow, a must-follow on Twitter, an incredible wordsmith. And this guy, I think, nailed it last night. I think he said it best, quote, quote, Steph Curry is effing awesome. End of effing quote. Now, that's the kind of analysis. I mean, that's the sort of 
elegance even that would net somebody a three-hour show. Oh, wait. That is, that's me. I was the one who said that. You're going to read that and say you don't want more of what that guy's selling? That guy's at Jim Rome. At Jim Rome. Check him out. Man's game at Jim Rome. Am I right, Steph? Man's game. Hey, Jim Jim Rome. Rome. This is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. In case you forgot, I wanted to remind you of what the NBA is. A man's game. It's a man's game, Steph. Hell yes. Could not have said that better myself. It is a man's game, Steph. Good looking out. Man, how much... What can I tell you? There's just been a couple of moments in my life. Wayne Gretzky shouting out to me after a big one in the conference finals. Steph Curry shouting out to me after winning yet another ring. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph Curry. 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 Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Steph Curry. What is it? What is the NBA? Man's game. It is, Steph. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? We are joined by Austin Eckler. Austin, great to have you back. How are you? What's good? Thanks for having me back on. What's good? All right, so you and I, I enjoyed our conversation on Radio Row before Super Bowl so much that we didn't actually talk football. We were talking about mindset and life. So let me start right there. How you doing right now? What's your life like? What's the offseason been like? What have you been into? Ooh, great question. I love it. Uh, It's been more of the same stuff. And for me, it's it's really taking advantage of opportunities when I say that. I think that's been really the emphasis of my life as I look back at it. Uh, I didn't always realize that that's what I was doing, but it was really just maximizing what I'm doing in the moment and realizing what could help me push into a new place in the future, whether it's connections, whether it's a new business idea. I'm building an app right now. So, like, I've really been focusing on just the opportunities, just like I always have with the Chargers and shipping my way up. All right, so I like that a lot. So when you get opportunities, and you're going to get more and more opportunities, I know you've got a million things coming your way right now. How do you decide whether or not that's an opportunity to pursue? Like, what's your strategy for that? Yeah, you know, and that's that's the the best and the worst part about, you know, living in, in life, right, is you have to choose. You get to choose where you want to put your energy. And so I say it's the worst and the best because, you know, if, if you use it for for something that you're interested in that makes you know yourself better then I feel like that's a good thing but if you're using that energy for something that is really bringing you down or keeping you in the same spot you know that's also your choice but then it's probably not the best outcome so right now I've been focusing on things that I am passionate about when it comes to impacting people's lives you know helping them set themselves up for a better opportunity in their future or helping people take advantage of the platform right now in the NFL uh, really my background as far as my passion is really people like that's that's real value to me is people and not just not just like hanging out and seeing them but actually helping them giving them value and helping them grow we're talking to Austin Eckler you know something really funny I've got I've got a 17 year old son Austin and he he said something that blew my mind he's got this other kid and I don't know a kid like this other kid in fact I actually talk about this kid on this show this kid said to my son he's got these kids are now seniors in high school the real smart kid said, you know what? I don't hang out with people if I'm not better for hanging out with those people. If I go to a guy's house for three hours and we haven't accomplished anything in those three hours, I no longer go to that kid's house for three hours, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm really like impressed by that and inspired by that, that our nation's youth might be thinking like that. Saying that, let me ask yeah. you this. Nobody would ever question your commitment or your keeping the main thing the main thing. You're trying to decide where to put your energy. You did not participate in OTAs. I think folks would see that ordinarily and think, well, it must be about money. It must be about respect. In your case, is it that or is it something else? <laughs> see, you know, when, when people only really see the highlighted parts of my life, which is football, 
they think that's everything, right? Like that, oh, Austin just only must be a football player. Um, but the fact is I have a lot of other stuff going on outside of football, and I've had that going like that for my entire career. Um, and so now I'm more, more of a spotlight. Now I'm in a, in a space where I pretty much understand how the NFL works. I understand how OTAs works. And so I'm at a position where I feel like, okay, I can get the same amount of work on my own in a more efficient manner and then move on to the rest of the stuff I have going on in my life. Because for me, football, football is not my life. It's a big part of my life, and it gives me a ton of opportunities. But it's now, during the offseason, my time to take advantage of those opportunities. So, you know, it cuts into, you know, being at OTAs and things like that. Because when season starts, I have no choice. i got to be there. i got to be making plays. i got to be building up, you know, my name, making plays for the Chargers. But when offseason comes, it's our time as players to take advantage of the platform. So that's what I was doing. Austin Eckler joining us. I think it's a different way, a new way of looking at things. And listen, if you were to go with the old school mentality, the old school mentality is if you're not eating and sleeping football year round, then you're not 100% committed. Is there an argument that if you only eat and grind football, it's going to grind you down and it might not be that effective. It might not be the most efficient way to be the best player you can be. I would absolutely argue that. Um, and I think it, it's different for people in different parts of their career. I think when you're a younger player coming in, it's imperative that you are living and eating and sleeping football because you need to figure out how the NFL works. You're coming into a new place. It's not college. It's the business. You have to make sure you establish yourself and get yourself you know, grounded in the NFL. And then I feel like, feel like you can build on that. And where you build on that is your, your choice, whether it's you know outside of the NFL, which would I would advise because you're going to have to have a life outside the NFL eventually. And, uh, but the first thing is getting actually in and getting established and then build from there. So, yeah, I agree that, you know, I think it helps, you know, take away, you know, some of that wear down. And you see me all the time. I'm talking about, Hey, I need guys to step up. I need guys to step up. I understand this. Like people might see like, Oh, he's not competitive. He doesn't want it. No, I want it more. That's why I want guys to come take reps from me because then I can play longer right? Then I can make more plays for more years because I'm not taking every single hit, right? And so there's, there's some strategies that, yeah, that might be for me uh, may seem untraditional um, because I see long-term, you know, I'm not living in the moment right now. I absolutely have to take advantage of the right now, but I'm looking out as far as I can to set myself up at a place where I have options when I'm done playing. I get it. I get it. And to be very clear about this also, not only are you looking to set yourself up for when you're done playing, at the same time, you are doing things that you think are going to make you the best player you can possibly be. Like, you're a legend in the weight room. How much of that, for instance, is about building physical strength and durability to take those hits? And then how much of that is about building and developing mental strength every single day? I would I would say it's more it's more mental than it is physical. Mm. You know, just the discipline to get up and go to a workout alone takes mental strength because working out is not easy, especially if you're with my trainer. And then being able to actually push through a workout takes mental discipline and strength, right? And then to be able to do that over and over and over and over again, right? For an entire off season, like your mind, like you just you just feel like you're just like a warrior. Like, oh yeah, I'll take on any task. Let's go. Uh, because that's a place where you can really push yourself, and it's definitely not going to be easy if you're pushing yourself the right way. Uh, and then, yeah, absolutely the physical part is also important that comes out of that, especially in my position, building myself up. But I think it really comes down to mentality, and then that transfers outside of the weight room to other things that I'm involved in. So that's why I think that's more important. Austin Eckler is joining us. Like, this is why I always talk to you about, I mean, I don't want to say non-football related things because it's all related to the main thing, but it's so interesting. Like, you hear this, and I hear somebody who's young, who's got a plan, who's working the plan, who's got a process, who's got a system, who's committed to the system. And the fact of the matter is, it's, it's not always been that easy, right? Earlier this week, you were telling the story that when you were a rookie and you were pouring everything you had into the game and you weren't seeing results... You had a meeting with an assistance running backs coach at that time, and it got pretty emotional, even for you. What do you remember about that time? What was that process like? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I dropped out of my last semester of, of college to just focus on this opportunity of, of the NFL because I knew what it meant. I knew there was a whole lifestyle. It was a whole lifestyle change that I wasn't planning for. I wasn't planning on being in the NFL, so I fully committed myself. Right? And that meant for as much as I could, I was spending time – in the weight room, right, on 
on the field with the coaches, like in my playbook, just putting every ounce of everything. I told my family, I was like, don't call me, don't text me. Let me focus on this. I just, I just want to have this is the main thing. And that I think helped me put myself apart from the rest of the guys as far as I was on top of it. It wasn't like I was making crazy plays, but I knew what I was doing. I was on it. You know, I didn't have that many plays. Most of my plays came on scout team, special teams, but that was my opportunity. And so I took, I was taking advantage of that. And there was no result. Like you said, like I was sixth string on the depth chart. I never moved up on the depth chart. I never really got any, you know, information like, Hey, you're doing well. Like there was nothing. So imagine you're putting all this effort, everything in your power into one thing and nothing's changing. And so it drove me insane. Like I'm, I was so stressed. I was going crazy. And, you know, at the end of the end of the fourth preseason game, I got asked by a reporter, like, hey, how do you think you did? I was like, I don't know. But what I do know is that that was everything. And if what I put in there right there wasn't good enough, then I'm just not built for this league because that was all Austin Eckler can give. And it ended up being enough. But, you know, it showed me, like, hey, the NFL is different. Like, you know, you have to take advantage of – it might be one play that you get. And so that made it real to me. And that's why I try to shed light to these young guys. And it, the thing is, it, it, it's not just about football, too. It's like you see that in other aspects of your life as well. It's like how much energy are you really putting into this? Because that's how much you can expect out. And it might not happen right away. You might have to wait. You might have to be patient. But it doesn't mean nothing's going to happen. Eventually, you'll keep chipping away and you'll see some results. I think it's an amazing story you just told. So I would, I would just quickly follow with, you can live with the result – whatever the result is, if you know you did everything in your power to prepare for it, and if it's not good enough, then it wasn't meant to be. But when you're in it, when you're in it and you're not getting that positive feedback, how did you keep from getting overwhelmed and keep from giving up or giving in? What did keep you going? Uh, nothing kept me from getting overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> I was extremely overwhelmed and stressed out. I appreciate out. I my... that, dude. I appreciate that response very much. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you I work mean, through I remember, that? I remember my first play. Shoot, my first play and in, in OTA, I had to step out because I was throwing up because I was so stressed. I was like, oh, my God, like, this is it. Like, here we go. Um, and so, like, I was overwhelmed. And so it was this learning process that I was going through. And there was so much unknown in front of me. Right. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm doing well or not. And so, yeah, I, there was no getting around it. It was something that I just had to push through, put my head down. And for, for that, I knew there was going to be an end point right after the last preseason game. So it wasn't like I was just going, you know, forever and not seeing anything. So I knew there was going to be a point where I saw some type of result, uh, whether it was good or bad. But, yeah, it was just something I had to push through. Austin Eckler is joining us. It seems to me what you committed to was not like a strategy or a process, but it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, right? I mean, this is a way of living life either on or off the field. Speaking of on the field, before I let you go, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi said earlier this offseason that the offense has been able to move on to football 202 level concepts. Like, what does football 202 look like for Justin Herbert? What's it look like for you? What's it look like for the entire offense? I think it comes down to chemistry, um, chemistry with the coaches, chemistry with us as players, because you can say football 202 and maybe to some people they're thinking, oh, they're going to have like a more advanced playbook. And, you know, for some aspects that might be it, but for the most part, we pretty much ran every play, especially as veterans. We played, we ran every play that you can really run. You know, the football, it doesn't change. Like it's a copycat league, right? The innovation is very, very tiny and rarely does it work because all things that are working are being used already. So I think it really comes down to us building together. I think that's the, the version 2.0 that you're hearing is, you know, we have some chemistry. We have a year under our belt with the same coaching staff, have a lot of core players coming back, and now we have, you know, something to build off of. Before we were, it was our first time together. There was nothing there. So now we've established something. We know our capabilities, what we were able to do last year, and now let's build on that. I like that, too. I like that answer a lot, too. So, finally, what about 202 when it comes to its chemistry, of course, and you've been together, you've built on that, you're ready to take the next step, but then you made some big moves in the offseason, right, especially on defense. When you see guys like Cleo Mack and J.C. Jackson joining that defense, what does that mean in terms of the 202, and what kind of message does that send to you on offense and to everybody in the locker room? Yeah, you know, it, it, may, it means you got a lot of potential, right? <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of potential. Those guys have had uh, some good track records, showed 
some uh, consistency of playing at a high level. Um, and that's what I think we needed. I think we needed to beef up the defense a little bit. Offense, you know, we did all right. We still have some improvements too. Um, but, you know, it was pretty pretty prevalent that, you know, our, our administration and coaches wanted to, you know, get some defensive players to help us be more consistent on that side of the ball. And I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Time will tell. You know, we got to go paint the picture. You know, it's like we have all the materials. Now let's go paint the picture. Let's go actually out there and play and show this world that, hey, it's not just potential, it's actual reality. But we have to do that on the field on Sundays. I love this energy. So what's the rest of summer look like for you personally? Anything interesting that you're going to get into? Anything to involve the listeners with? Or are you starting to really lock in and focus? Uh, well, I mean, all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. So, uh, definitely start to lock in and focus. But, yeah, I've been building a, an app. Um, I've been having an app developed for the past year, actually. Um, it's an engagement platform. It's, it's called Experience. So that'll be coming out here in a few months. And then uh, have our, our foundation that's rolling as well. We're implementing resources and to some communities out here in L.A. and trying to get outside of L.A. just to help out people that are in a situation where not because of decisions that they made, but because of the atmosphere and the life that they're in, they don't really have any opportunities to get their life started. And uh, then capping off all these projects, and getting ready to get into the, the football season, the fantasy football season. So a lot going on. Uh, it's a whole ecosystem that I have started with me and my team. So, yeah, if you, if you want to follow along, you know, best place to is on Instagram. You see all the updates there. I love that. One of the NFL's most interesting men, Austin Eckler. Can't wait to see that app also. Austin, really appreciate you. I appreciate what you bring to it. I appreciate what you bring to my show. Great talking to you, my man. Thank you very much. You as well. Anytime, man. Have me on. Let me know. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. How is KD doing right about now? How was KD's Thursday night? Because he got swept out of the first round two months ago by the Celtics, and then he just watched his old team dominate the Celtics in the finals and get another ring without him. So I'm sure we'll hear, we'll hear from him soon enough. And I'm sure he'll respond to a tweet or two directed at him because he always does. And then he'll tell everybody that his life is awesome and he's doing just fine. But I guarantee this, that's not how KD saw this playing out at all. And I guarantee you this, even though he will not admit to it, last night stung. You know it did. Last night was a dagger to his heart. They won before him. They won with him. And now they've won after him don't tell me that doesn't hurt no way that that doesn't hurt not only does he have to play with Kyrie but he has to watch his old teammates roll on and win without him and there's just no way that's going to roll right off his back no way you know he figured the Warriors were done when he left just like a lot of other folks did which shows how impressive this championship is. They lost one of the best players in NBA history, and they came back and they won another title without him. And they didn't just lose one of the best players in NBA history permanently. They lost another legend for two straight seasons, and they came back to win a strap. They went 15-50 and two years ago. They won 15 games two years ago, and they won a ring last night. The only thing better than Golden State soaking each other in champagne after the game was the fact that they were chanting, bleep you, Draymond, while they did it. I mean, if that does not sum up this crew, nothing will. Mocking Boston fans while they celebrate in Boston. And there's nothing that the Celtic honks, and I'm half honk, there's nothing that they or I or any of the haters can do about it. Chanting bleep you Draymond while celebrating a title is hilarious. It's one of the funniest things ever. But then there's the fuel underneath it. As a team, this team does take mental notes. Even Clay, one of the coolest, chillest dudes ever. 
This dude is so mellow, he dropped a holy cannoli in his post-game interview. Well, uh, I had to have my big bro talk me off the ledge a few times. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do nothing. I was immobilized. And I'm such an athletic person. I love to be mobile. And he would just tell me, patience, patience. It's going to all pay off. Shout out to Seth as well, my little bro Trace. I mean, there's some dog days. There's a lot of tears shed on the bench. Steph talking to me, talking me right, and even Draymond, and just leaning on those guys, Andre. I'm just thankful to be here, man. This is crazy. I can't even believe it. I knew it was a possibility to see it in real time. Holy cannoli. This is crazy. Holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. This is crazy. So then you think that's just Clay being funny and chill and laid back. My man's got an edge now. My man's running on his own kind of fuel. I love this. He, holy cannoli, he's got a notepad. He's got a notepad, and he is taking notes. Check this. The strength in numbers is alive and well. <laughs> I can't wait. There was this one player on the Grizzlies who tweeted strength in numbers after they beat us in the regular season, and it pissed me off so much. I can't wait to retweet that thing. Freaking bum. That, I had to watch that. I'm just like, this freaking clown. Okay. 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 Sorry. That memory just popped up. You're going to mock us? Like, you ain't ever been there before, bro. We've been there. We know what it takes. So to be here again, hold that. Dude, freaking gold. I have never wanted to drop an F-bomb on the radio as much as I do right now. That is an incredible soundbite. That is an incredible soundbite. From the, the disdain. Freaking clown. Freaking bum. Freaking bum. Freaking bum. Bum. Freaking clown. Hold that. Hold that. Give me that whole thing, Alvin, in its entirety. I, I could not love that soundbite any more than I do. It's one of my favorite soundbites ever already. <laughs> I can't wait. There was this one player on the Grizzlies who tweeted strength in numbers after they beat us in the regular season, and it pissed me off so much. I can't wait to retweet that thing. Freaking bum. That, I had to watch that. I'm just like, this freaking clown. Okay. 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 Sorry. That memory just popped up. You're going to mock us? Like, you ain't ever been there before, bro. We've been there. We know what it takes. So, to be here again, hold that. Incredible. You ain't never been there before, brah. I mean, it, it's so much cooler because it sounds like something Draymond would say. And that would work for me. But the fact that, like, the coolest dude, Clay, said that and said it with, like, that disdain and that edge okay okay first of all i'm gonna allow bum smack and i almost want to bring back bum smack because of that an nba player calling one of his peers a freaking bum freaking bum is incredible i mean that's about as disdainful as it is that's about as strong a clap back from a guy like that especially right he didn't resort to a four-letter bomb. Well, actually, it was a three-letter bomb. You freaking bum. It's freaking inc- bum. It's incredible. And you know what's better? You tell me what's better. That or the fact that he called the unnamed player. An unnamed player. A freaking bum. And a freaking clown. Freaking clown. What's better between those two things? I personally like freaking bum better than freaking clown, but it's close. Freaking bum. Hold that. Freaking clown. God, I love the way he said that. And then, you know what's really funny? He slips in an apology at the very end, which he doesn't really mean because then he doubled back to, man, hold that. you never been there, brah. you never been there, brah. What are you doing running your mouth after a playing game about us? you never been there, brah, you freaking bum. Like, you ain't never been there before, brah. We've been there. We know what it takes. So to be here again. But they bought that team. Championship DNA, man. Championship heart. They are running on a different fuel. And you know me. I've been hyping Clay for the last several weeks. I love Clay. I love everything about Clay. I've never loved Clay more than I love him now after hearing that. Holy cannoli. I, I, I could justify playing that soundbite every single day until I no longer do this. That was so great. Yeah, and half in part because of who said it. If somebody else said it, it wouldn't hit the same way. But the fact that it was Clay Thompson going freaking Bum. Clay. Freaking clown. Freaking bum. Never been there, brah. Hold that. Hold that. So good. 
And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cash back match, for instance. Discover matches all the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. We are joined by shortstop Trey Turner. Trey, it is so good to have you on. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so it's great to have you. Let me first ask you, you're coming off a two-game sweep of the Angels. How nice was it to get that sweep, and how would you describe the mood around that team in the clubhouse right now? Yeah, it's, it was huge. Um, you know, we've been scuffling a little bit, but I think that the attitude is, is really good. Um, you know, we know we're good. We just got to, um, you know, get the best out of each other, and and play some good baseball. We've played good enough to, you know, be a, you know close to the top of the division. I think you said we're half game back, but uh, a lot of baseball left, and I think we can play a lot better. So, um, you know, last series was a, a good step forward, and hopefully we continue it this weekend. Trey Turner is joining us. Let me ask you, you had a home run and a couple of runs scored in Wednesday night's win over the Angels. Tyler Anderson had that no-hitter going into the ninth yeah. before Shohei mm-hmm. tripled. I'm curious, what was that game like for you, and what's it like being in the field when you've got a pitcher dealing like that and closing in on a chance to make history yeah it's it's exciting you know uh, especially when the crowd gets into it when the crowd uh you know notices you know big moments in the game uh to end that eighth inning they were on their feet for that last out so um going to the ninth inning just you know everybody on the seat the crowd was electric and uh you know history can be made i thought i thought he's gonna do it once he uh once he got trout out i thought um he was gonna be able to do it just kind of felt like one of those nights but uh, you know, Tani put a good uh, good swing on the ball and, and found a hole finally. But he was he was special for us, and it's, it's fun playing in those games. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, we can see some more no hitters for the Dodgers. I would imagine it's probably pretty cool batting in that lineup too, especially where you are. For instance, you're hitting third behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Betts said this of you: "Quote Trey is one of the best, definitely one of the best in the game. I don't know how he flies under the radar, but he does. There needs to be more scouting going on. He's kind of like the anchor in the three-hole man." End of quote. I'm curious, what's it mean to you to hear that, and what's it like hitting behind those guys? Yeah, I think uh, you know you're, you. You play the game for so long, and, and you realize, uh, you know, your teammates and coaching staff, the guys who see you every day, are you know, kind of what matters the most. And you take uh, you take those compliments, uh, you know, pretty seriously. And I think that's uh, something I'll I'll always remember. You know, I love hitting behind those two, Mookie and Freddie. And then you know, this second half of the order, the bottom two thirds, is is no slouch. I mean, we have an unbelievable lineup, um, up and down. Everybody's. Um, dangerous can do all sorts of things, and I think that's why we have a chance, you know, to win each and every year, is because they've constructed constructed a roster and a lineup that um, is just so so deep and, and can hurt you in so many ways. And um, you know, I think, like I said, we played good baseball, but I think we play a lot better because you know of that lineup and, and our pitching staff as well. I think um, you know everybody contributes, and um, it's exciting playing in this uh, in this lineup. Trey Turner is joining us. So, Trey, it's been less than 11 months since you arrived with the Dodgers in that trade last year. What was it like to go from the team where you established yourself and won a World Series to going to the other side of the country? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, you know, it's this, it was the second time I got traded. The first time was weird. I think every time is kind of weird. Um, but uh, this time, thankfully, you know, it was later in my career where I was a little bit more established, a little bit more comfortable with myself and, uh, you know, who I was as a player. So, um, definitely a transition period going across you know, the country and, and bringing the family and, and whatnot. And uh, it was a little hectic, but um, it was a lot of fun. It's great being here. Um, you know, this team is, is so special. It's, it's an organization like no other. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, got caught off a little bit uh, off guard a little bit last year, but uh, now I feel really comfortable and excited to be here and um, you know, want to make a run at it and play, play uh, baseball deep in October. You know, I appreciate that response. I know that you're going to have a decision to make in the offseason, but if you can elaborate on what you just said, what's it been like playing in Los Angeles with the Dodgers so far? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, um, I've played against them for so long. I can see, you know, how good they were from the outside, obviously. And, um, you know, obviously the high payroll is probably, you know, the number one reason they go out and get great players. And, um, you know, that's a big part of it. But being here now, just seeing, you know, the effort they put in behind the scenes, whether it's scouting or developing or, you know, the coaching staff, um, they just do it all. And they want to make sure that, 
if there's any way they can, you know, get an advantage or any way they can, you know, improve on something, I think um, they want to do it. And I, I think it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, that's how you win each and every year. Baseball is such a hard game. And um, to be, you know, World Series contender every year, you got to do a lot of different things well. And uh, now being over here, you can see why it is, uh, you know, it is the way it is. And uh, it's special. It's fun. It's, uh, it's everything you want it to be. Trey Turner is joining me for a few more moments. So, like, with respect to what you said, if it was weird being dealt and coming here, what mm-hmm. was it like to go back to Washington as a visiting <laughs> player earlier this season? Yeah, weird as well. Weird as well. Um, you know, it feels like everything, when I left, everything would be the same when I went back, but that's not the case as well. You know, a lot of us got traded last year. There's a lot of new faces. Obviously, you know, plenty of guys and coaches and staff that um, I got a chance to catch up with that are still there, but it's, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, you know, I enjoyed playing there. Stadium's great stadium, great city. Uh, it was fun going back, but definitely weird walking to the other side and, um, you know, seeing the visitor side and being, you know, on the other side of it. But um, it was fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it worked out good. So I had no complaints here and uh, just a little weird going back. Hey, Trey, I've got to ask you, last year when you went viral for that incredibly smooth slide when you scored against the Phillies, I'm just kind of curious, like, what was your reaction when that happened? Did it feel to you like, all right, good, I'm finally getting a little respect for the smoothest slide in the game, or did you find the whole thing just kind of funny? Yeah, it's, it's funny to me. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done that slide a million times in my life. Uh, maybe I played that one off, I guess, a little bit smoother, but – uh, you know, I never thought anything of it. And, um, you know, for the next month, it felt like I was just answering slide questions and left and right. And, um, you know, I never thought about it, never uh, um, tried to do anything special. But uh, I guess just, you know, putting on Dodgers uniform is different. You know, a, little, a few more eyes on you, a bigger market, and um, things change a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's something I've been doing for a long time. And, uh just kind of changed last year and kind of went crazy. I think that's funny, and I appreciate the answer to that question one more time because I, I got to be honest. I'm like, I'm still mesmerized by it. Like, I can't stop looking at it even at this point. It just doesn't even seem real. But to your point, you've always been like that. Your college coach said, quote, his slides are poetry in motion. When he runs, it's like his feet don't hit the ground. It's like watching a deer run through the woods. It's like his hooves are hardly hitting the ground. It's like it's an amazing description, really. Like, I would say, does it feel like that to you? Or are you like, dudes, this is just the way it's always been, and this is what I do. I've always run like this. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, but, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody, I think, a day or two ago, and, you know, when I tried to run hard, and I think this is the case with maybe, you know, some fast people and, and, and all different kinds of sports, not necessarily just baseball, but when I try to run hard, I feel like I'm doing too much. I feel a little slow, and then when you don't think about it and you're just kind of being smooth with it, uh, you seem to gain, you know, gain a lot of ground pretty quickly. So um, I, I definitely work on in the off season to try to uh, get my, you know, form form down and, and uh, put some effort into it because, you know, I want to play each and every day and be healthy. So that's kind of where I start. And then, um, you know, over the course of the season, you've got to make some tweaks here and there. But I try to try to be smooth with, with it. I think that helps me, uh, you know, be efficient and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I think that's where, it's, where it comes from, where it starts. Atria, I really appreciate this conversation. One last thought, since you mentioned tweaks in season. Last month, you said that you wanted to be more dangerous at the plate and get your slugging percentage up. Sure enough, mm-hmm. your slugging percentage in June is higher than it's been all season. What's been the key to that success? What kind of adjustments did you make? Yeah, I think every day it's different. Um, you know, you come into the cage, you see how your body feels, um, you know, how, how your swing's working. And I think there's just little things here or there. But uh, for me, it's just being consistent and not missing the pitches, you know, that you're supposed to hit. Those balls in the middle of the zone, whether they're off speed or fastballs or whatever it may be, it's kind of just, you know, ending the bat when it needs to be ended. If you get a good pitch to hit, just put a good swing on it and don't miss. Don't try to do too much. I think a few weeks ago I started, you know, trying to swing at like 80% and uh, started driving the ball um, a lot better, like you said. So it's different things each and every day. Um, and sometimes you stick with something for a week. Sometimes you stick with it for an at-bat. But um, this is – you know, how I work, and I think it's being consistent and, and, and not missing those pitches. Hey, Trey, I lied. One more thing. I know it's you're not looking to make it about you, but I'm curious, having the year you're having, what would it mean to you to be on the All-Star team again and to play the All-Star game in Dodger Stadium? 
Yeah, that's huge. I think it's uh, something that you take very seriously because, um, you know, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. You can have, you know, a bad 60 games or 30 games and then you miss the, you know, all-star game. So um, I think it's definitely hard to do. And, and, and I, uh, I appreciate the guys who can do it each and every year. You know, I've played with guys like Max Scherzer and, and plenty of guys that have been all-stars many, many times. And um, it's impressive. So, yeah, to do it at home, I think would be really cool. Uh, would mean a lot. Uh, play in front of the fans and a packed, packed Dodger Stadium would be be awesome. But uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I kind of out of my control, just trying to play good baseball. And um, you know, if I get a chance to go there, it'd be really exciting, really happy. I, I don't know, dude. Like when you say that you could have like a bad sixty game stretch. I mean, yeah, pretty much everybody else. But you had a twenty six game hitting streak. It was snapped, and then you went hitless for one day, and then you started another streak. It's already approaching double digits. So, what would you know about 60 bad games, dude? That doesn't happen to <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, you know, I'm picky. I'm uh, kind of a perfectionist. Obviously, baseball is a, a game of failure, but I try to uh, I try to be hard on myself. So, you know, those things kind of happen, and I, I don't really think about them. I try to compete each and every day, but um, I feel like when I compete each and every day, then those stretches happen, those um, good streaks uh, happen, and, you know, it, it is what it is. It's kind of out of my control, but – um, try to prepare and try to do as much as I can to uh, to help us win, be successful. So um, yeah, no, just keep grinding it out, keep competing, and wherever it is at the end of the year, then I'm happy with it. Dude, your consistency is off the charts. There's no doubt about that. He is a World Series champion, an All Star, shortstop for the Dodgers. I ran down all those numbers, Trey. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I really appreciate you, yeah. and I really appreciate you making time for the program. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Big head bets. We're going into Friday the way we always do with a big head bets segment. Head, it was awesome having you here earlier this week. I trust that you have returned to wherever the hell you live, doing whatever the hell it is you do. Am I right, head? Yep, yep, yep. You are right, Jim. I'm back uh, to the Rocky Mountains. I won't say where, but I am back after, like Chuck said. Hitting Javier's and Crystal Cove, amazing. Yep, yep, yep. Give me, tell me really quickly. Yep, yep, give yep. me a review. How was that experience, Javier's Crystal Cove? My favorite spot. Lobster enchiladas, absolutely fantastic. They had the good main lobster, the vibe, the 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 look, everything. I've never been to Crystal Cove. Oh my gosh, but the food was even better. I I mean. <laughs> You sell it all the time, but you kind of undersell it still. It's, it's amazing. There you go. See? Mm-hmm. See? That's the head. All right. I appreciate that. So first things first, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news. The bad news from a betting standpoint, head, mm-hmm. is we have no more NBA Finals games to hit. The I good know. news is if the clones did what you told them to do before the playoffs started, then they cashed the Warriors at plus 850. Now, I cannot stress this enough. I am as guilty of this as anybody. I normally take a pretty short-term view of things. The future bets do not interest me as much because I want that action. I want that action, boss, and I want it right now. Personally, I hit the Warriors before the series, but I did not hit them when you suggested, so I did not get paid. Let's make this very clear. Diversify. Hedge. Take a shot at some real value by throwing down on some future bets. Now we know what you already knew. How did it feel to hit plus 850? A great play by you. Dude, adrenaline, right? Plus 850 hits the account a little bit differently than a plus 275, which is plus 275 is great, but plus 850, it's awesome. I did want to bet one more game, but I was happy as hell to call this thing off and take that money. Hey, listen, I didn't even get the plus 275. I don't even know what you're talking about. I got paid, but not the plus 850. So nice job. Well done. Thank to you. hammer home the point, give me give me a few examples of futures that you have hit or the clones would have hit if they took your advice when you told them to. So this year alone, I'm on an incredible heater for futures, Jim. 
I've hedged on a lot of them, but I got the Super Bowl. Rams plus 1,400. I hit the Warriors, like we just said, plus 850. I'll win the Stanley Cup futures as well. The Avs at plus 350 or the Lightning at plus 1,100. Golf majors, hit the Masters, plus 700 for Scheffler. PGA Championship, hit JT. And then we also hit two-thirds of the Triple Crown this year, the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes, all in 2022. All right, so what I'm saying to you is listen to what the head is saying. And when he says he's hitting a future, think hard about that because you might get paid. Next year's NBA numbers are already out. Yep. Do you see anything interesting there or... I mean, are you ready to hit right now, or are you going to let it breathe for a minute? Yeah, I'm going to let it breathe for a minute. I'm not going to hit. I'll see free agency and off-season activity. But I did see some numbers that are a little bit surprising to some people, I would think. DraftKings has four teams as their favorite right now at plus 600, right? Warriors, Celtics, not a surprise. The Nets are the other team that are favored. Surprise to some, not to me. I'm not hitting that. Yeah. You will. I'm not. Yeah, I probably will. You love them. Yeah, well... I don't like the mentality, but I like the talent. Let's just put it that way. Right. And who's the fourth? The Clippers. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But, but the weird thing is, too, Jim, here is the Milwaukee Bucks are like plus 750. So four teams ahead of Milwaukee is a shock to me. Interesting. Which, yeah, because, I mean, if Middleton's still playing, I think they're in the NBA Finals, and I don't know who wins that game or that series between the Warriors and Bucks. So to get them as a fifth choice at plus 750 is great. And the Lakers with Westbrook, 12th choice. Plus 2,000. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not doing that. All right, so. I'm not hitting that. Double that, and I'm still not doing that. Yeah. Would you hit that at plus 4,000? Uh, yeah, probably plus 4,000. I probably would. I would, too. Yep, yep, yep. I would, too. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. A lot of money. All right, yep, so that's yep, yep. just speculation. That's conversation. Listen, if you're not hitting NBA futures yet, then we've got to go in different directions. And, yes, this is something which differentiates this segment from other gambling segments or pods. We go hard on things other than the NFL even though we kick ass on the NFL. As an example, you have done a really good job at getting folks paid with your golf picks, especially in the majors. How are you playing the U.S. Open? I just placed my bets right now before we came on segment, and I was going with Rory for a while. He is a favorite at plus 360. I'm going to get off him right now. Scotty Scheffler, who I got the Masters plus 750 to win it, I'm actually going to take him. He closed hard today. His last six holes, he caught fire. He is the second choice, Jim, at plus 450. I'm going to go Johnny Rom as well with him at plus 900. Rom, this course sets up very nice for him. He's out right now. And let's take one chance here a little bit further down. How about uh, Will Zelatoris at plus 2,000? So we're going to go with three choices right here. I like those. I'll tell you what I did before without talking to you. Mm-hmm. I hit Scheffler at plus 1,400. Ooh, I hit better. John Rom at plus 1,600. Better. I hit Justin go. Thomas at plus 1,200. Okay. That and I hit Colin Morikawa at plus 3,300. He's sitting nicely right now, too. So, wow. That's great. And I hit, and by the way, I hit Rory at plus 1,000. Dude, you I spread are my bets. nicely right here. Not bad, right? Yes, before the first tee off, too, right? Yes, I did. I did there not wait. Go. And usually I get burned, but I did not wait. All right. So, what about game two of the Stanley Cup final? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you are going to win no matter what. You have future bets on both of them. A three-peat to me in any sport is especially tough to ask for, especially in the NHL. So uh, I hit the lanch before this series started as much as I love Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Because you have future bets on both and much better odds, how are you playing the rest of that series? Yeah, I'll still, I'll still play the series without a doubt. Uh, probably not the puck line as much because neither team here plays very good against the spread on the puck line. Plays like very tomorrow. well. Plays very, very well. well. Damn it. it. That, yeah, that yeah, you almost made an entire segment without that. Well done. Oh, I'm consistent. You can't say that. But tomorrow. Consistently illiterate. <laughs> Let's go over under, Jim. It's six <laughs> for tomorrow's game. The first game they scored seven goals. Over under you're going to play. Yes. I, I, I've actually done okay with the over under in the Stanley Cup playoffs here. Better than I have the puck line. It kind of kicked my butt for a while here, but I'm doing pretty good on the over-unders. It is six for game two here. They hit seven in the first game between the two of them. A few trends support um, the over, and a lot of people are hitting that. In the last six times these guys have played each other, five of them have gone the over. But like I said, I'm going under six goals. They were sloppy goals in game one from both goalies, about four of them it felt like. And everything points to an Andre Vasilevsky. 
Sorry, messed that one up. That's a hard one. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's a hard one for me. So, But before losing game two in the Eastern Concert Finals um, to New York, the Big Cat had a streak of 17 straight wins following a playoff loss. He also has a 92 save percentage and a 2.36 goals against average this postseason. Also, Tampa, they're poised. They play with patience. They're a little bit different than they have been in the last couple years, so I like that. And for the Avs, they didn't look rusty at all in the first game, but netminder Darcy Kemper did. Hopefully he is better, but that defense in front of him has been outstanding the entire time. Colorado has great depth here, so I'm going to go the under. I'm going to go against a lot of people here under six goals tomorrow night. All right, so one thing really quickly. I want to point this out. I feel like we provide a service. I feel like we provide entertainment. I feel like we do it for free, and I feel a little underappreciated. So something we did last week, I believe it was last week, I didn't just post your picks. I didn't ask you to put your picks on Twitter, and I did not retweet it, but we put a link there. Like, if you want this information, it's still free, but you know what? Man, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy and show up on Twitter when we're putting in this time and putting in this work. If you want it, you can have it, and it's for free, but you're going to have to actually do a little bit of work. Did you get any pushback for that? No, I didn't get a lot of pushback for it. Good, because I, mean, I don't care. They clicked on it. They followed it. Either do I. I mean, go listen to the damn thing instead of <laughs> spread That's what I'm saying. Free picks everywhere. Yes, I'm with you. Absolutely. Hacks. Looking for shortcuts. Don't be hacks. All right, so if you're smart enough to listen right now, I will let you run it back to them, and then we are going to tweet the link and not an actual full screen or a screenshot of the Beautiful. picks. But give it to them right now. What do you have? Under six goals for game two of the Stanley Cup between the Colorado Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning. And the U.S. Open, we're going to go three choices out here. Scotty Scheffler, plus 450. John Rahm, plus 850. Odds are moving, but you're going to get something similar. And Will Zalatoris at plus 2,000. I like that. So let's hit that one. I like that. Nice job, Head. Very well done. And listen, sincerely, thank you very much for coming in this week. You did a great job. It was great to see you. I will see you next week, and I might have to hit up Javier's once again, James. Hell yes. All right, the head, the big head, James Kelly. Hey, pause, dog, what's up? Glad I could help in the search for Alvy. Turns out he had fallen down a well. Could have been worse. Wells could have fallen on him. We looked everywhere. Rex Condito to Rover Beach. Bow wow wow way to Barkersfield. Can you hear me in Chow Chow Chilla? Did no one in Havashitsu City see Alvin? Roland Van Eyck was with me for a while. Uh, we didn't search the Catalina Islands, but we did canvas the five and dimes. Rummaged through the trouser shops. Rent dug into the candy stores. I finally lost him at the adult kickball fields. Missing presents case like this since Kyrie Irving went MIA in Brooklyn. Nice to see most of the crew are back. There were three empty chairs to fill yesterday, so good thing you got Brian Weber to fill them all at the same time. Hmm. Is it Brian or Brian? Well, roar, big heads, surfing suds, uh, where you go in scruffy and you come out fluffy. If you have filth in your fur, we'll clean it for sure. Rat the surfing suds. Uh, yo, flight deck, where I'll take the residuals from the commercial in Bitcoin. Rough me, rum route. He's out. He is Lef in Laguna. Lef, what's going on? What's up, my guy? Dude! How you feeling? You're a week out. I know. I can't wait, dude. So, yeah, I did want to touch base on, uh, on SmackOff 28. Uh, but, Jim, it's, it's been a little tough. I'm actually being heavily recruited by that Saudi SmackOff League, Jim. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, the host over there, Sam Smack, he's put together a pretty compelling offer. Some of the things he's offering me, Jimmy, Enough rubbing tugs from belly dancers to make Deshaun Watson blush and a lucrative 14-figure Cobra deal. Not the golf brand, Jimmy, but actual Saudi Arabian King Cobras that dance when I play the flute and then they spit deadly venom in Brad and Crona's face. But uh, I ultimately declined when I read their definition of a sudden death playoff. So, Jimmy, 
I'm in for Smack Off 28. I know I'm in because I've got that jungle threat thing going on, you know. Last night, my wife asked me to roast some vegetables, so I just started talking bleep about Chris Reeve and Terry Schiavo. Then my buddy comes over with an MJ, asks if I want to light up a fatty. I said, I don't smoke. But did you know Jeff in Richmond was a McDonald's All-American in high school? Yeah, he was also a Burger King All-American, a Taco Bell All-American. Jim, you see me working here. Hey, uh, Chris in southeast Wisconsin, what is your longitude and latitude not wanting that handle, dude? No need to specify southeast there, all right? I've been to Wisconsin. It's all the same. It's a bunch of grass, a bunch of dairy farms, and a bunch of fat cows with their boobs hanging on the ground grazing on food all day long. And I'm not talking about the animals, Jim. I'm talking about the people. They're disgusting. And, Chris, way to dress up as a boner in sweatpants and that smack-off prediction video imposed next to your neighbor's car, you douche. Hey, Jimmy, I love Caleb and Green Bay's player profile where you spent 10 minutes calling the fat virgin our words, uh, not yours. But I wanted to clear the air. Caleb in Green Bay has finally landed a girlfriend, Jimmy. And uh, this is a little exotic, but she's from another nation. His imagination, Jim, let's just say intimacy for our boy Caleb is a uh, DIY project. But Jim gave Caleb, Caleb props. And I do think he's the best to ever win it. I love that topic. But Jimmy, I'm more interested in who the worst that's ever won it is. Because if Vic and Nocal doesn't close his eyes and hit a moonshot to the warning track last year, we're all calling him Vic Bra. So congrats, Silk. Your status is uh, unchanged for another week. But, Jimmy, regarding Vic being the worst to never win it, uh, I've long said he's got the game to do it. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Jimmy, that's it for me. See you on the 24th, buddy. Enough prepping, enough talking, enough promotion. Let's get it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the jungle. What's cracking? My name is Jim Rome. How do I know that? The guy sitting behind the board said, you're on, Jim Rome. And the music already stopped. Man, there's some weird things going on. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. Wait till you find out exactly what I'm talking about. It would be a hell of a lot easier on him not to have to put the entire team on his back. I put the team on my back, dude. And then carry them up and down the floor for 48 minutes. Shocking he wasn't a first-team NBA guy. Scott, you are the best. Give me your pick, Jim. You're thinking what tonight? I was thinking Golden State on the money line for sure. Golden State to win, but you made a pretty persuasive argument. Yeah, the bounce back, man. I'm telling you. Reading from my left to my right. The big head. Shock. And in the back row, Cindy. This is what I'm dealing with, man. They are dropping fast. Nice button-down shirt flight deck. I wasn't sure if I was watching the Jim Rome show or Night at the Roxbury. War Lady Clones. You know... Kind of sloppy all around. I'm like, dude, you had 30 years to come up with something a little bit tighter than this. I'd still go watch it. It's just not as good as Taylor Jr. saying, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to name my kid after it. Joe Musgrove is my guest. How long could you stay underwater? Oh, man, dude. I thought I was pretty good when I went into that class. I think I got a minute 18 in my first workout with them. The last breath all I had was 4.02. Where is Alvi, I feel this this layer of filth on me. You should all be so lucky if I ever showed my ugly mug in the jungle again someday. Brian Whitey Alvi. Leave Whitey Alvi. Logan of his businesses, dude, dude. Alvi's pitching a tent. Come on. That's where you run him, big head. Jeff Passan. I want to give you an opportunity to explain why you were recently singing a Nickelback parody in the voice of Elmo. What gives? Uh, do you have to ask why? Is there ever a reason that one shouldn't sing a Nickelback parody in the, the key of Elmo? And in the middle, got rid of Joe. Get some space. Open three. Got it! He jumped out the ocean on that. The ocean has healing properties. I love ocean clay. Let's go to Mark in El Paso. And how they going? Does he think that he is going to stay? Now, Rick on the board last week is also turned up MIA. Darius Butler, how are the finals treating you so far? Oh, not great. I think the Warriors will end up winning it at home in Game 7, but uh, the Boston Celtics, they'll find a way to make it by winning the Game 6. Go fake USS Intrepid, James Kelly. Let the hotshot pilots do some illegal flybys and have these old-school commanders spill coffee, hot coffee all over themselves. Ward it 
the day that the smack off not be filled with junior high derelicts like James in Portland who spend 100% of their take name calling other equally infantile oh, phone abusers and get back to what this show used to be all about. Just do it. He is Rex Hoggard. I'm off in major season, back on Rome. Love it. Hey, Rex, Brooks Kepka got pretty testy yesterday. Him trying to pin that on the media is wildly far-fetched. Jim, what's up, man? How you doing? Dude, thank you so much for doing this. I'm great. No, no problem. Glad to do it, man. I mean, you're Jim Rome. Anytime you ask, I'm down to do it. In the beef segment, you can beef about anything you want. My beef is basically, I'm stuck here in Detroit. Move out of Detroit, go someplace else, and get a better sports team. My beef is with people that park in disabled spots. Out of my spot. My beef is with the bag, the people coming out of the elevator, and they time to walk in. I, I'm this close to saying that that does go on our list of reasons to go. We are joined by Austin Eckler. Austin, great to have you back. How are you? Well, it's good. Thanks for having me back on. How did you keep from getting overwhelmed? Nothing kept me from getting overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. Dude, my first play in, in OCA, I had to step out because I was throwing up. So I was so stressed. I can't wait to retweet that thing. Freaking bum. I had to watch that. I'm just like, this freaking clown. Everything points to an Andre Vasilevsky. Sorry, messed that one up. That's a hard one. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's a hard one for me. So. Yeah, I think you got 48 hours, Jim, so I'm going to definitely hang around and still check out the tour stop. Trey Turner is joining me for a few more moments. Finally getting a little respect for the smoothest slide in the game. You know, I never thought anything of it. And, um, you know, for the next month, it felt like I was just answering slide questions left and right. Have a sports take and don't suck. Holy cannoli. Ice worked through it. Watched your show for a long time. It's an honor to get to speak with you. Hashtag Melvin Strong. I'll be coming home soon. Or I'll be coming home. He did not become the best closer of this generation without my guidance. That's all nice. Jimmy, it is always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, pal. I wonder if Mike Hampton's left or righty, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm and out. Oh! Roll me roll. Worst Indies mug, which isn't there today. Hold that. Jimmy, that's it for me. See you on the 24th, buddy. Good night now! Somehow, someway, that was a good week, even as we were concerned about Alvin, but he's back. He's safe. He's home.